Tell me, tell me you like my hat. You're not wearing a hat. Say it. Say you like my hat. You're not wearing a hat. Say it. Why can't you say it, Shannon? Why can't you say you like my hat? Why can't you say you like my suit? Welcome to Cruising It, the podcast where you watch and discuss all of Tom Cruise's films in chronological order. I'm your host, Donovan Bruce, and with me as always is Andrew Mount. Donnie, all chests are equal in the eyes of the Lord. And Mason Kuzmich. On today's episode, we're talking about Far and Away, a story of two Irish immigrants hoping to find a better life in America. Oh, what shit. did you guys I just think? just did racist things. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is probably going to end up being a racist podcast. Irish uh, isn't a race. Well, jingoist. <laughs> yes, yes, jingoist, yes. Yeah, they are a jingo. Um, I, uh, you know what? I was setting my uh, my my sights pretty low for this one, so it actually uh, it was okay. Yeah, I feel like this movie was. Uh, I feel like you implied that this was a really bad movie. Um, I implied that the accents were bad, and I just wanted to. I just wanted to defend this movie in general. It's got a lot of heart. And it also has stars and horseshoes and clovers and and Tom Cruise dick jokes, blue moons, pots of gold and rainbows, and also red balloons. Lucky Charms and unicorns now and unicorns now. Are there unicorns now? I think so. I think I've heard that. Do you still watch cereal commercials? I don't. Well, but I'm not six, so I don't eat Lucky Charms. Did you guys? Oh, wow! Know? Fuck off! First of all, I prefer Frosted Flakes. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Did uh, did you guys know that there's something called the Southern Ocean now? Speaking of things that have changed since our childhood, the Southern Ocean. The Southern Ocean. Where is it? Oh, we're not even through the intro. I don't no, even I'm know assuming it's in the South. It's probably in the South. Somewhere. The Global South. And it's probably not the Atlantic or the Pacific, because I still hear people talk about that. Probably, I don't know. Like the Pacific's really is big. It, Maybe it's like the southern portion of the Pacific. Is it the? Is it around Antarctica? I don't know, maybe. Where all of the oceans connect maybe together it's what and they made used, a new one. Didn't we used to call it the Antarctic Ocean? Is there still... Are we Maybe. I, I didn't remember, it might have been. I didn't ever remember Antarctic Ocean. Or maybe I it's the, the Indian Ocean. Yeah, did we change the Indian Ocean for sensitivity reasons? Oh my god, this is, has nothing to do Why with would, what we're wait, talking okay, about. Okay, no wait, let me stop here. Why oh would it be god. insensitive to call it an Indian Ocean? Because I there are mean, lots of other countries bordering it, you asshole. Okay. But that one's the most important country. It, it's the biggest Why, one. why can't it be the Sri Lankan ocean because india's bigger the australian nobody, ocean nobody cares about sri lanka actually just googled the word southern which <laughs> is not going to give me yeah. also known as the antarctic ocean oh, or okay. the austral hang, ocean. hang around everybody eventually we'll talk about far and away but right far now, and away oh, and I didn't, I didn't say the movie was bad because I hadn't seen the movie. I you just, implied this was going to be bad. I said the accents were bad, and I stand by prepare. I stand by movie. the accents being bad. You know what? It's good that our sights were set low, though, because like and also, that made and, it that made it seem that much better. And this definitely was not the worst movie we've seen. But oh, I, no. I was pretty bored through a lot of it. Oh, I was super into this one. I know I was super into the uh, kill the landlord plot line, but that kind of that was like ten minutes. I know it petered out pretty quickly. Yeah. I, that plot line was fun for the brief time it was on screen. The bare knuckle boxing stuff the was boxing fun. The boxing was fun. But well, everything else, I'm like... You're like halfway through the movie now. Yeah. 
Yeah, but the bare knuckle boxing thing was like a quick montage. It really wasn't that long of the movie. I mean, there, there were a bunch of different like points where it was, it was important. like all the it was like important a, for most of yeah. it. Really, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you about your yeah, own experience yeah, sure. of the movie, but you know, <laughs> I can understand being bored at this movie. But I liked it. It, it had a very epic feel to me. It had like Snow three Dave or four Thunder. really distinct. Pl- Jesus fucking. Christ. <laughs> That you somehow think is the worst movie we've watched. I can't. No, Cocktail. Cocktail yeah, is the worst. Cocktail's the worst. Yeah. Then you I think Days of Thunder probably comes out above. Uh, I'd be behind losing it for me. Uh, there's no like, way. Come no, on. Sir. How do you just, put losing it that high? I was sort of interested in I liked, losing it because I Days of Thunder so, more than all the right moves. Like ludicrous and offensive. And all the right moves, I think, is solid and just had bad pacing. Yeah, but like losing it has like negative qualities to it. I mean, as far as like, you know, how much do I philosophically endorse a movie existing, losing it is pretty far down on my list. Uh, fair. Right next to Endless Love. Well, okay. <laughs> on that note, let's get into our discussion of Far and Away. In Ireland in 1892, Joseph Donnelly's father dies and his family home is burned down by his landlord, Daniel Christie's men, because of unpaid rent. Joseph tries killing Daniel, but he injures himself in the process and is nursed back to health by Nora Christie and her daughter Shannon, intending to hang him. Joseph meets Shannon, who plans to run away from home and travel to America. Shannon shows Joseph that there is land being given away for free in America and offers to take him with her as her servant, but he refuses. This is a fun little opening sequence. You know, a whole little little town of Bilbo Bagginses or whatever getting wow. all angry at their landlord. Wow. What? <laughs> Bilbo Bagginses. <laughs> I don't know. One Are of you, them is were... your bet this time. <laughs> just going to be <laughs> trying to offend Irish people as much as possible. Irish peasants no. are just hobbits. <laughs> yeah, they're just hobbits. <laughs> no, well, you heard it here first, folks. Mason Kuzmich. Yes, I've actually wholeheartedly endorsed that. But I really am just thinking that because like, the father's friend or whatever looked weirdly like Bilbo Baggins. Or it may have been the father. I don't know. One of them looked like the actor that played Bilbo Baggins. Pretty in... sure the father had a very slight similarity to Bilbo Baggins. Okay, there we go. Potatoes. Because he had curly gray hair. Yes. That was pretty much it. Yes. You heard it here first, folks. If you have curly gray hair, you're Bilbo Baggins. That is pretty Irish. Do you think the hobbits are just supposed to be Irish people? <laughs> are Irish people the secret heroes of it, Lord of the Rings? It might be. Well, I mean, that was kind of that was kind of Tolkien's thing, right? It was like this hardworking uh, working That's folk true. that uh, love their ale and their smokes. And, um, and the dwarves are pretty Scottish, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's not think too much further. And the orcs are the Welsh, right? (laughs) The the orcs are the Welsh. I don't know anything. Wow. Fuck you, Wales. Anyway. So anyway, this is great. Um, Yeah, no, like you guys said, this whole like kill the landlords thing. I mean, that was kind of like a really fun premise to start the movie on. It was interesting. It was compelling. Oh, this landlord like killed my dad for not paying his rent on this stupid farm. So I'm just going to go murder this guy. Killed my dad and burned my house down. Mm -hmm. While during my dad's funeral. While my brothers were just pissed drunk. His brothers are the fucking worst, aren't they? I I mean, they're just bitching the whole time and making fun of him. uh, I mean, he's like, he's a little brother. Yeah. You know, 
how brother Thar? His little brother. Probably. His little brother. He's trying. He he still has this idealism to him. Like, yeah, he can make something of himself in the world if he just finds some. I don't know. Land. Works hard enough. La- land. Yes. Yeah, my brothers are nice to me. So well, good for you. I think maybe his brothers suck. <laughs> Listen, I, look with with little brothers. What you have to do is every time they talk about land, you have to hit them until they stop talking about wanting land and just have a drink. So, yeah, you make fun of them for wanting to go kill the landlord, but then also later you go try to kill the landlords. Well, yeah, but as a group, Captain Moonlight, you don't you don't do it on your own. You go in a group. Um, it's know, org. It's 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 political organization one hundred and one. All I'm saying, like I'm lone so- wolf shit, doesn't work. I'm skipping ahead a little bit here. You say lone wolf stuff doesn't work, but I mean Tom Cruise basically would have killed the guy if his gun didn't suck, right? Yeah, Flint, oh flintlocks also not reliable. Yeah, I mean you know, obviously don't use flintlocks if you have a choice. <laughs> Maybe throwing. Knives. Go at him with that pitchfork. That pitchfork looked like it made made you bleed real good. Oh man, I forgot that he got stabbed by a pitchfork. He did. Holy shit! Yeah, it just said he got injured. What actually happened was Nicole Kidman stabbed him in the leg with a pitchfork. Oh yeah, what's your character's name? Shannon. Okay, and Joseph is Shannon Cruz. Joseph and Shannon. Got it. She's my sister. <laughs> she. Wait, what, what accent was sister? that? It was uh, a Tom Cruise Irish accent. Uh, okay, okay. Were the accents that bad? They were pretty bad. I didn't were, notice them. They being were bad. They were pretty. Tom Cruise had. Like, they were pretty inaccurate. Oh yeah, Tom Cruise had some moments where it seemed like he kind of vaguely got it, but there were a lot of uh, flubs. It gets a lot okay. of gets a lot of criticism in Ireland because it's first off, it's just an extremely generic mm-hmm. Irish accent, and it's, even that's not done very well and slips in and out. It's kind of got kind of a cult following in uh ireland for being a <laughs> comical mm, uh, i guess portrayal of irish of yeah. uh, irish accents. see i was like his sounded like vaguely irish to me and then like but remember you're Nicole american Pittman's was a little less and i was like i don't know maybe that's like a it's like a class difference back then or something i mean it, i feel like i feel like it kind of seems like you know if you hear someone doing a really exaggerated text and drawl you know for us which i mean there are people that talk like that vaguely kind of somewhere but yeah. Most of us, not really. I don't notice it's that a really lot with accents. I mean, I work I with several people who talk I, like this. So. I mean, I, I don't, I don't doubt it. But I think Andrew Lincoln on The Walking Dead might be the only like American accent that I've ever picked out and been like, "Oh, you're not American," and that is a bad accent. Nobody sounds like He's that. He's actually that's actually praised that praised Lincoln. as yeah that's actually praised as one of the better American accents. Maybe it's gotten better, but I feel like it used to be extremely bad. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. I didn't pick up that he wasn't American until I heard him in interviews. I'm like, oh, that happens to me with actors all the time. Yeah. Hugh, Hugh Laurie does pretty well. Yeah, but and I, he does the exact same voice that Benedict Cumberbatch does for so Doctor does, Strange. Uh, oh yes, Tom Holland does a very good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's also British. Also, uh, he's from Holland, he has though, right? Really no. great yeah. abs. Well, okay, big fan of those. Tom Holland. Uh, this is the Tom Holland abs cast. That was oh. your gay abs update. <laughs> Please don't make that From a running. <laughs> Mason, I'm Mason. I'm the gay one. Yep. Uh, yeah, sure. Joseph plans to duel Christie's foreman, Stephen Chase, as he is the man who set fire to the Donnelly home. Christie meets Joseph before the duel and tells him that he had nothing to do with Joseph's family's eviction because the land is managed by Chase. The duel begins, but Shannon rescues Joseph. Together on a ship bound for America, Shannon meets Mr. McGuire, who tells her and Joseph about America's giving away free land in Oklahoma. 
Mr. McGuire explained to them that they have to travel a thousand miles and race for the land like all the others. Shannon divulges that her collection of silver spoons will cover all expenses to get the pair to Oklahoma, and McGuire offers to help her find a shop to sell them to once they arrive in Boston. So why was this guy stealing her spoons? Was he not actually a rich guy? Was he just a huckster? No, he wasn't. He wasn't stealing her spoons. He was. Yeah, Mr. McGuire was, was going to help her sell help the spoons and, and all that because he was turned on by her. Uh, but he got murdered. He got murdered, and then oh, okay. spoiler alert. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I forgot that we hadn't gotten into that yet. <laughs> I thought we. I thought why we got did to he have the spoons, spoons when he got murdered? Then I don't know. I guess. I guess he was. She, maybe he was she, like helping her load the luggage, or I guess she gave them to him i don't know i feel like he wasn't on the up and up i mean maybe you don't really it's kind of a really quick character and they never explain anything about him so yeah that was kind of a long set long paragraph section which is why i separated it but there's really not that much to talk about right there they're on a boat i mean well they're on a boat well there's the i guess there's the the duel was you know it was a thing he was not very good at it you can blame the fog it was really foggy too yeah but, but he but, yelled way too much during the duel. But Stephen Chase could see him. Damn yeah. right. Supposedly. I guess the uh I guess the boat scene kind of really shows the class difference between the two of them. Oh yeah. Where where he's having he to perform as yeah. right. Where he's having to perform as her servant. I mean, he kind of gives a shit. He gives enough of a shit to kind of fake it in front of other people, mm-hmm. but he really he doesn't hold to it with her at all. Yeah. Yeah. He's not too bothered by standing out. Um, Also, I'll say that I had no idea what was going to happen in this movie, and it was a huge pivot for me when they're like, okay, he's not killing his landlords anymore. They're going to America together. (laughs) I was like, what is this movie? Uh, And that happens like five more times. I feel like this this movie has like an epic feel to me because it feels like every section you could make that plot an entire movie if you stretched it out even longer. Could it also be said that Ron Howard just had a lot of ideas and he's like, uh, one movie. Well, I mean, it feels like it's he, possible. It feels like he kind of wanted to try to squeeze in a lot of the immigrant experience to America, and I guess specifically the Irish immigrant experience to the United States. And kind of the driving premise of that was, well, America's given away all this land. Go see like all of this 1800s America as it's, as it's expanding. Yeah, and it almost I'm having trouble thinking of like many examples of this. Um, but it reminds me of some like, you know, older, but I don't think Candide is an example of this where it's like the whole thing, Indiana Jones kind of too, where it's like very serialized, like every, it just feels like five smaller stories stitched together instead of just one mm-hmm. longer extended narrative, which might've been, you know, you just have a bunch of ideas and you don't know what to do with them. Well, kind of like what, to give what it an epic feel. kind of like what cocktails seemed to try to do, but didn't really pull together all that well. This uh, this one cinematic yeah, masterpiece. Yeah. Yes, yes. Cocktail. Yes. Yeah, according to you guys. <laughs> Listen, by saying your that standards, saying, so saying, hang according on, no. to America. Yeah, saying that it's better than losing it does not make it a cinematic masterpiece. Yeah, you're right. I guess people shouldn't use the term cinematic masterpiece lightly when they're actually talking. If you about insult Point Break one more fucking time, I swear garbage. to God, it's a bad movie. <laughs> Well, all right. Upon arriving, McGuire is shot, and Shannon's spoons fall out of his clothing and are stolen by passerby. My spoons! Joseph rescues her, but not the spoons. Soon they are introduced. 
<laughs> I appreciate that sentence. I mean, it's accurate. Rescues her, but not this. Oh, sorry, I'm not supposed to interrupt recaps. Soon they are introduced to Mike Kelly, a Boston ward boss and an Irish American himself. Kelly finds Joseph and Shannon jobs and a room to rent in a brothel, which they must share. To avoid scandal, Joseph says that Shannon is his sister. As the pair continue to share a room, Joseph and Shannon become attracted to each other. One night, Joseph rushes out to Boss Kelly's club where a bare-knuckle boxing match is underway. Joseph challenges the winner, knocks him out, and soon becomes a regular at the club uh, to make extra cash. Yeah, this pulls together a, a thread that kind of starts at the beginning of the movie where he just starts fist-fighting his brothers for almost no reason. It's because they're brothers. Yeah. It's just three brothers. It's just three brothers. Uh yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's a nice little picture of what uh, what Irish folks had to deal with when they were, you know, when they started coming to the U.S. with these these like organizations that kind of controlled Irish life, especially because there was a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of prejudice, a lot of shutting them out of your standard everyday. Yeah, we also get a little bit of a reversal of the class structure here. Because with all these guys and all these Irish immigrants in Boston, uh, Joseph is the one who is well liked, and everyone calls Shannon. All you know, she's all hoity-toity, and they don't want nothing to do with her, and kind of ignore her and talk directly to Joseph, and just pretend like she's not there because she's this high-class stuck-up bitch. Yeah, that was a fun part of how you know she kind of starts out as the high-status character that knows what to do and. They, I feel like they flip it several times throughout the movie. America flips it on its head. A oh, country that, that near class means I mean, nothing. Doesn't Joseph say something to kind her of. like, you know, these are my people, so you need to let me lead, like follow my lead, because mm-hmm. these are my people, I know how to handle them. Yeah, yeah. So. And, you know, it's, I mean, obviously class does mean something in America. Oh, of but, course it does. But yeah. aristocratic class doesn't mean as much in, in America. Or at it's least more about whether class, you have money right. or not. Right? Well, especially, uh, right. in the family especially in the slums of Boston. Yeah. Right. The so. class in your old country doesn't matter. Yeah. You are now here. Nobody likes the Irish. If you want to get by, you're going to have to you're going to have to become a part of this political machine, this very Tammany Hall style political machine that and they've got going. Nobody likes the Irish and the Irish don't like the high class people of their own of their own people. So. Did you just hear Donnie say that nobody likes the Irish? Nobody I likes did. the Irish. I like the Irish. No, you don't. I do. Mm. I like that one movie, The Luck of the Irish. I like their breakfast cereals. <laughs> <laughs> so also, this is yet another time where I was like, okay, I finally figured out what this movie's story is going to be about. It's going to be about Tom Cruise's rise as a bare knuckle boxer. Um, Which for, for a little bit. It is for a little bit, but not as long as you would think. Like There are movies where they would linger on this. for That would be the whole rest of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. His, his fall and her decline and then them falling in love and... Yeah, not doing too much after that. Also, sorry, I forgot to say one thing earlier. Um, we uh, talked about that uh, landlord is like, oh, I had nothing to do with your family's eviction. That's just the guy who manages my land. That's such a weird bullshit excuse. It, I, I feel mean, like it is your fault if you hire a yeah. shitty manager and you never check in with whether or not he's burning people's houses down and murdering it's them. It's not my fault. I don't watch my subordinates. I'm just drunk on this road all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a lord of Ireland. I'm you just can't hide- blame me for what my underlings do. Just hiding my drinking from my wife while my landlord burns your houses. Toodaloo! <laughs> yeah, I don't like those characters or their stories or that we're clearly supposed to. Yeah, you're supposed to kind of get a sense for of... Them. Right, you're supposed to get kind of a sense that, you know, the landlord's really not the bad guy. It's, it's this manager... Who, I mean, is admittedly a massive asshole. Yeah, he's the more, like, actively bad guy. But I would say having power and being neglectful 
is yeah. pretty bad too. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, so it didn't really go over this, but the basically why Tom Cruise is boxing is he's since they lost all their spoons or whatever, he's trying to get money to get out to Oklahoma for the land race because mm-hmm. the whole thing that he wants that he's always wanted is to own his own land. So he's trying to get out there, but he gets a little too uh, high on himself, I guess, and uh, yeah. is spending a lot of his money on hats and fancy suits. And <laughs> just buy a lot of hats. And, uh, I like hey, his hats. Why can't you say you like my hat? Do you guys like the hats? I like his hats. I like his hats. Hats. I can say that freely. Hats were, yeah. <laughs> hats were a huge thing back then. Like you, you didn't go outside without wearing a hat. But Shannon couldn't say that she liked his hat. And if you want to know more about that, go listen to like ninety percent of the episodes of the Dollop. Yeah, or just Google nice hats. Yes, that too. <laughs> I'm Googling nice <laughs> God damn it. I know you are. Uh, oh, I had something I was going to say. Ignore me. Ooh, look at this. This is a nice hat. That is a very nice hat. Kind of a pork pie hat. Hmm. Anyway, oh, well, what, what, what happened during this section again? I'm sorry. Let me let me. Sorry, did me I derail this, this uh, entire podcast um, by Googling nice hats and making they get, everybody stop while okay, I talk They get a like, room and jobs at the brothel, and then he starts boxing. Yeah, and so, yeah. What were you saying about... Uh, Right, they were trying to get money for the land race, which really started early on. That was like the thing that she showed him to try to get him to go out to, out to America with her. Was mm-hmm. oh, there's this flyer and it says that they're they're basically giving land away. But he didn't believe her. No, oh, yeah, of course and, he didn't believe her. And that's why he rejected it at first. It's because he's like, nobody gives land away for free. Also, I'm not going to be your servant boy. Yeah. And then he realized he was he realized pretty much immediately that he was probably going to die in that duel and that's uh-huh. when she saved him he's like fuck it this is better than death so. whatever might as well see if the, this is actually true but i mean that was that was kind of the thing in the us too was like they had we had so much well we had uh Stolen conquered so, so much, much land, land. That we were willing to give to basically anyone but the people who were already living there. Yeah, th- this found so much land just lying around. Uh-huh. This isn't public uh, yeah. school history. No, we stole it. No, we absolutely it. stole it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like that was that was kind of our thing. That was sort of our way of uh, of dissipating like lower class discontent. Was we would essentially open up a little bit by bit more and more of this this land to the frontier that we would just kind of give away, and there was a lot of it, and it drew people from all over. Not just the U.S. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this is the—I assume this is the boomers and the Sooners thing, right? Uh, no, the boomers are the people who are killing was. the planet. Ha <laughs> 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 Jokes. But it is that, right? This is yes. The, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Oklahoma. I don't know how many land rushes Oklahoma has had, so who knows? Probably just the one. There, there were. I think there were a few of these like land races, this one, but this we're, we're skipping was, ahead. This one was supposed to be like. A really big one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Historically, I don't. The main right. one. Yes. Uh, well, all right. Back in Ireland, the Christie's house is burned down by angry tenants in the Irish Land War. So the Christie's decide to emigrate to America. Captain Moonlight. Yes. Meanwhile, Joseph discovers that Shannon has gone to Kelly's club to dance burlesque. The Irishmen surrounding the couple beg him to fight and offer him a small fortune, $200. Shannon, who previously scorned boxing, urges him to fight because the money would get them to Oklahoma. Joseph agrees and is winning until he noticed one of his backers groping Shannon, who is sitting on his lap. Joseph pushes through the crowd to free her, but he is pushed back into the ring where his foot accidentally toes the line. However, he isn't ready, and his opponent lands a sucker punch, after which Joseph is defeated. God, can you imagine $200 being a small fortune? Inflation. I fucking know, but, like, (laughs) 
if I could get a time machine and just go back to this period, just uh, be great. Be great. You would single-handedly destroy their economy. Well, my dollars <laughs> wouldn't count. Who are we? Haven't put Grant on a on a bill. He's still president. Um, I don't know. What year is this? Like the eighteen seventies or something? Uh, something this movie like that. was in nineteen ninety two. It was like the 1870s, 1880s. Okay. Maybe 1890s. All right. Well, this only goes back to 1913, but according to this inflation calculation. The land run that they're in was in 1893. Okay. So this goes back to 1913. It says $200 would have been about like $5,000. So that makes sense. Getting a windfall like that wouldn't, you know. Yeah. That's enough to do some traveling. Yep. The other thing, I I actually like, this is actually a pretty... Generally speaking, pretty uh, pretty accurate depiction of the old style boxing, which I thought was fun and entertaining. Yeah, but isn't that the reason why Joseph is so good? Is that he doesn't follow the standard? You stand toe to toe and punch each toe-to-toe. other with underhanded punches. Well, okay. So thing is, Joseph While having a glorious handlebar mustache oh, and a bowler hat. Thing is, the American style of boxing usually involved a lot of like ducking and dodging. But like the the way that you knew someone was still in the fight, it wasn't like a uh, it wasn't like a oh is he still conscious type fighting. It was can he get back to the line? If he can get back to the line, then the fight can go on. If you can't get back to the line, then fight's done. I just feel like that's why that's why they showed Joseph being so good is that like they showed these other boxing matches where they were just standing toe to toe, just punching each other in the face with mm-hmm. zero defense, and it was just whoever could stay conscious long enough and right. then he gets in and he's ducking under people running around behind him doing body shots kidney shots stuff like that yeah well see like the interesting thing is that the old style but like the standing still style was more the like british style of boxing the american style of boxing is more what joseph did so they kind of reversed that so it's not you know 100 percent accurate but also that ducking and well, weaving doesn't style. Well, doesn't that kind of make sense that a bunch of Irish immigrants who are so close to Britain would do the British-style boxing? Yeah. And then he no, comes over and he's just a scrapper, I think is what they keep calling him. Right. It would. So. It would yeah, make he's sense. He's a real gym rat. It yeah. also doesn't doesn't talk about how, uh, how the person... He's a real person, Yeah. Yeah. He's a real scrappy He's got player. a great story. Doesn't really talk about how the, uh, the, the person game. who... <laughs> <laughs> he has high football IQ. Now, it's interesting you, you make these jokes... Because the people that are actually credited with developing the kind of like ducking, dodging, um, actually protect yourself style of fighting uh, were African-Americans. Oh, okay. Largely comes from American style boxing plus the old uh, Mandingo fights, I think they were called. Hmm. Yeah. I watched Django Depressing facts of the those facts didn't of the day. nice. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, it's weird that it's weird that a lot of our, I guess, uh, grounding on history is through these movies. What do you mean? I don't know. Just a lot of lot of like, I guess you wouldn't expect, uh, you know, grade school history to cover things like, you know, old boxing. Are or you whatever, saying that the public education system is flawed? That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. You know, we did talk about that. Um, I'm going to get this wrong. But there was like an Aztec game or something where it was, was kind of like soccer, but it felt like sometimes somebody could be decapitated. Yeah, where the where the winning that? team got sacrificed and whatever. You're talking about the one where, where they the play winning what? team got sacrificed. Yeah, because they're the good ones. Shit. They're the ones that gods would want. Are you talking oh, about no. 
the is one where they play soccer but with somebody's decapitated head? I think so. I can't remember if that was like Aztec or something else. I mean, it's prob- it was probably attributed to the Aztecs. We like to attribute all kinds of nutty things to well, them. Well, I just know that according to American history in school, black people didn't invent anything except peanut butter. And according to the neo-Nazi that came to A&M yearly, uh, they didn't even invent that. Oh, but he, he was nutty, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. He also um, he also argued that King Tut was white, so, you know. I, I believe it. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> I don't uh, want to uh, probe the inner workings of a neo-Nazi's mind too much, but uh, w- was he, like, really committed to this idea that white people invented peanut butter? Like, that seems like a weird thing. I, to... he, he had a whole pam- – I honestly, I didn't even bother to read most of it, but he had a whole pamphlet on how on how a lot of these things that were credited to the black people were actually invented by white people, and also how uh, the firebombing of Dresden is the worst thing that ever happened during World War II. I'm not saying it was a good thing. Was this Kurt Vonnegut? No, it was not. <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut was not a neo-Nazi, first of all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> How dare he you, He was very sir. upset about Dresden. Because Which he was, was in great. it. He, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, was a pri- he was a prisoner in it. Yeah, well, so it goes. <laughs> so it goes. Well, okay. In retaliation <laughs> for the hundreds of dollars Joseph's boxing losses cost Boss Kelly and his oh, friends. Oh, shit. God. I'm sorry, we Damn got distracted it. from the point that I wanted to make, which was we were going to talk about the uh, who he was fighting. It was a big Irish-Italian grudge match. It was, it was fucking eye ties. Yeah, there's a whole thing built up around this fight. Fucking eye ties. Uh, I don't endorse that. Um, <laughs> That's what they say in the movie. Yeah, I know. Um, Mario versus Murphy. Um <laughs> also, I think we didn't mention that uh, Chief O'Brien from Star Trek: The Next Generation is the Irish boss type guy. Oh, he is, and he—it just made me really happy. I was just like, "Yeah, that's who I would have picked out of my head if I was like, give me an Irish, a generic Irish actor. <laughs> yeah, give me that guy named Scotty. Yeah, it was him. Well, I mean, that wasn't. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. He's Chief O'Brien, Miles O'Brien, Scotty, Come on, let's get it together. I, I'm Which sorry, I don't, know. I don't know, Scotty. Yeah. Did you just think I was talking about Scotty instead yeah. of Miles O'Brien? Yes. No, okay. <laughs> Little known fact. I don't know if either of you guys are big Star Trek fans. Was Scotty even in The Next Generation? <laughs> uh, he was in an, an episode of The Next Generation, yeah. Yeah, found him Donnie, come on. But he wasn't but a main character. I he just threw this up. I, I can't call you on this. Yeah, and he wasn't the transporter chief. Anyway, let me talk about Star Trek for like... <laughs> 50 minutes here oh no oh no <laughs> one of the most fun things to do with star trek the next generation is to take miles o'brien and try to track his rank over time because <laughs> because it was the 80s and 90s and it was a little problematic his whole shtick eventually became that he was like the working class guy uh-huh. so he starts out as an officer but then they quickly wreck on him to be like no he's not an officer he's just like a blue collar <laughs> you know irish guy going around and everyone else is hoity-toity and, uh, and they just keep changing his rank and transferring him to different you know tv shows and it's pretty great uh. Well, okay. In <laughs> retaliation for the hundreds of dollars Joseph's boxing loss has cost Boss Kelly and his friends, Joseph is thrown out of Kelly's club. Joseph meets a policeman who shows him a photograph of Shannon, asking if he's seen her. Joseph returns to their room in the brothel to find Kelly and his thugs searching their money or their room for the money he and Shannon saved. Kelly takes their money, and Joseph and Shannon are thrown out into the streets, homeless. Cold and famished, the pair enter a seemingly abandoned and luxurious house. Joseph encourages Shannon to pretend that the house is hers and that he is her servant, but she begs him to pretend that they are married and that the house is theirs. During that tender moment, moment, the owners of the house return and chase him away, shooting Shannon in the back. 
Joseph, who knows the Christies are looking for her in Boston, and brings Shannon to the home where they're staying. He decides Shannon will be better cared for by them and leaves, despite his obvious feelings for her. Yeah, we hit some real Charles Dickens notes in all this. Yeah, we really did get that feeling once they're like out in the cold. Yeah, but Ron Howard did not seem to want to stick to that for a while. It was a pretty short section of the movie. Yeah. Also really bleak. Um, hot mm-hmm. take, being homeless in the middle of the winter in the 1800s doesn't seem like it would be good. Being homeless especially, in the winter in any especially year, if, probably not that great. Especially if you're Irish and everybody in your city hates the Irish and refuses to help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there are several scenes of them asking people for help or for jobs or just for food, and everyone's just like, nope, you're Irish. Yep. Yeah. Just... Should have should have stayed where they were from. No, they shouldn't have. Tom Tom Cruise's character would have gotten hung. Shannon probably should have stayed where she was from. He might have won that duel. You never know. Well, if Shannon would have stayed, she would have moved to America anyways because her house got burned down in the land wars. Oh, that's right. She totally would have ended up in the same place, wouldn't she? Yep. Yeah, I guess there is that. But, you know, probably would have and moved al- with more money. Also, if Tom she Cruise would have just waited to kill the landlords, he could have been part of those land wars. Yeah, see, that's the thing. That's what I was saying earlier. You have to organize with your fellow... With your fellow uh, if Surfs just, and or workers. And if he just, just would have been uh, like a patient, just hung out there for like six months. And, you know, have a general strike and then violently rebel. And Yes. Yeah. Do it. Eat the rich. I was very bored during this section of the movie. Yeah, this was not my favorite section. It slowed down honestly. a lot. And uh, like I said, it didn't seem like something Ron Howard really wanted to focus on for that long. Like he... I mean, I wasn't I wasn't really super big on the romance portions of this movie. I was like, hmm. Well, they weren't really it, it was a they handled it in a really weird way because for most of the movie for up to this point anyway, uh Joseph is dating some dancer from the uh from the other or from the club and dating. Yeah, shagging. Big quotation marks. dancer. <laughs> also, yes. <laughs> I don't even remember that character, and I knew it was true. I'm pretty sure she was a prostitute. No, uh, maybe. I think they straight up said it at one point. Oh, maybe. Anyway, I'm kind of. She was at least a burlesque dancer, but yeah. But like the the entire romance dynamic was just them getting angry and jealous of each other, doing different things, peeping on each other when they're changing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was not as interested in the romance aspects of this, and I feel like I don't know exactly what they would have needed to do differently. Um, but I feel like they could have really improved the movie by tweaking. They probably needed to show Shannon's mm-hmm. mom watching them hooking up. No, no, they Pro- don't. No, probably not. <laughs> we need the director to squeeze their toes. Yes, um, yes. That's how, that's how you know it's Nicole real. Nicole Kidman was too old. Because to me, well, for for him, yeah, for that movie, yeah. Sure. I feel like this Tom Cruise's whole character arc hinges on the romance and specifically this part of the movie, but it's like the boring part of the movie. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like he sort of has like a a week and like a little bit of an unclear character arc because of it. Um, Like I said, I don't know what they could have done differently, but I mean, his character arc is really just, I want land. I get land. And that's about it. (laughs) Well, it's that he uh, falls in love with her. Right. Hmm. But if, but that on its own is such a, you know, I don't know, such a such a trope that I feel like you need to do it differently or you need to have more nuance or do something else. But it was just sort of a standard falling in love plot. The more time I spend with you, the more I like you type thing. Hmm. Yeah, everything else was just kind of, I don't know, 
flat from the beginning. Yep. All right, Joseph heads west of the Ozarks, where he finds work laying a train track, seemingly abandoning his dreams of owning land. He sees a wagon train out the door of his boxcar, and knowing it is headed for the Oklahoma land rush, Joseph abandons the railroad and joins the wagon train, arriving in Oklahoma Territory just in time for the land run of 1893. Joseph finds Shannon, Chase, and the Christies already in Oklahoma. Chase, having seen Joseph talking to Shannon, threatens to kill him if he goes near Shannon again. Joseph buys a horse for the land rush, but the horse dies in a few hours, and he is forced to ride an unruly horse he manages to tame. He discovers that Chase has cheated by illegally inspecting the territory before the race and is headed for the extremely desirable land he found. The land race just begun, and Shannon's family claim their first land by breaking a fuel rules to claim it. On this other horse, Joseph quickly outpaces everybody and catches up with Shannon and Chase. Joseph is ready to plant his claim flag, but Chase rushes on horseback at Joseph, and a fight breaks out, with Joseph falling falling and being crushed by the horse. Uh, Shannon runs to his side and rejects Chase when he questions her actions. Joseph professes his love for Shannon and, uh, Jesus, this is such a poorly worded. Joseph professes his love for Shannon. Joseph passed out a little and was revived. They both drive the land stake into the ground and claim their prized land before the other settlers get there. Uh, sorry, no, he died once. Yeah, Yeah, sure. uh, call back to his to his dad dying and then coming back to life and then dying again yes yeah why'd you write the recap that way it was really confusing i don't write the recap wikipedia writes the recap wait what damn it is is this doug's fault did doug do poor research no doug's dead oh no he is i did notice that that why he's not here have a head and also that he's not here it's never been here Anyway, um, oh. so that was a really long recap. Hey, uh, Chet, was, send flowers to his family. This is just like the, did you say Chet? Yes. Okay. Uh, this is just like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. So I was kind of into this part again. Yeah. Uh, although, again, I want to say that I really don't love the uh, parents' story. Oh, yeah. Uh, even in the recap, it's like, it's talking about how Chase, like, you know, cheated and it's casting mm-hmm. him as a bad guy. And it's like, and her family broke a few rules to get there. And I'm like, no, they cheated way more than Chase did. Yeah. And yeah, they're he, rich people in Ireland and they're cheating to become what will yeah, definitely but, be rich people right. in America. But yeah, they're meant to be like, like adorable, them. adorable old folks yeah, who are doing this whole thing. Fucking aristocrats. Yeah. Yeah. Chase cheated by looking at the land beforehand and finding like a desirable plot. The Christie's cheated by literally just going to the land and sleeping there and then when the race started like oh i'll run this horse around in circles so he looks tired and then we'll plant the flag yeah again i learned most of my american history from um college football team names but i believe that these guys (laughs) that the parents were the sooners in this instance Mm. they cheated Uh, and went there before the race started Mm. that sounds right yeah i like the section of the movie so that entire college football team is mascot is based on people who cheated well it's weird to me because they're it's like, also probably where the school's land comes from you know it's mm. like boom or sooner boom or sooner. but it's like for different <laughs> groups of people right i feel like you're as much as you don't feel good about the whole land race the sooners especially it's, it's like fuck you guys yeah i don't know maybe i have the history wrong again i only know this because i lived in that fucking town for a year sure sure you poor poor man I just I had no tie to OU, and then I, I lived there, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is, college yeah. football is their whole thing." Take that, yep. all of our Norman Oklahoma <laughs> listeners. Uh, I, this this was definitely an interesting section of the movie. Um, I don't know. Shout out to the very brief uh, reference to Chinese labor on the railroads by having some Asian actors during the railroad building scenes. I guess. 
Um, there was a lot of Irish railroad workers. Too. Th- there were. There definitely were. Like I don't. I don't want to take away from that. Um, but he bails from that pretty quick. Well, it's kind of hard to tell time in this movie. That's true. He could have been working on the railroad for like two years. Yeah, it did seem like they skipped around a lot. I don't know how long were they advertising this fucking land race though. I, I I don't know. I don't know enough about the land race. I, I looked at it a little bit just to make sure it was okay, a real thing. Well, according to the timeline based on when this movie said it started, when he's in Ireland is 1892 and the land race is in 1893. Oh, so I, shit. Okay. I guess so not, not, much time not very much time passed. Yeah, they just sprint so, through that. I was a little confused. He was acting like he needed to keep saving money to go there, but then he just like finds some people who are going there and walks with them. He just walks with them. Is that all he needed to do? Well, I think I think his I mean, big problem was finding actual transport out that direction. So, like, to go from Boston to there, I'm sure would be a lot harder to do. Like having to, you know, outfit like a wagon and yeah, maybe yeah, just actually. Like, but if you, if you get hired on like building the railroads, you can get out in that vicinity can, can and then just kind of jump on near like the last leg of, of the speaking road. of wagons. Can we talk about huh? the people who decided to run this race with their fucking wagons? You know what? It was a real thing that really happened, uh, and it was yeah, here, it just seemed okay, dumb as hell. Okay, but here's my—I don't know—I would have done that. Here's my you make your case first. Here, here's my case. As we saw in the race, almost everybody who had wagons, the wagons just fucking broke, which would either or they were going real slow. W- that too, which would either completely knock them out of the race, or they'd lose all their possessions and just be on the little two wheels up at the front, somehow still going. Here's my thing. Once you place your claim flag, that land's yours. Why wouldn't you just take a couple people on horses, run, try and get some land, and then just come back and get your stuff? Well, because some if- people are doing the endurance thing because it's it's a it is a long stretch of land that was up for grabs. They might be going for like yeah, they'll sprint their horses to death. Will we in our in our fancy wagon? Why will- were they going so fast? Well, okay, so that is <laughs> that is ridiculous. That part of the movie is ridiculous. I can understand like a reason you might want to do a wagon and go for just like further in territory yeah so it's definitely a risk of the wagon breaks but i'm just thinking if i'm there for this horrible terrible land race you know i'm like okay <laughs> there's gonna be people like running out here on their like crazy unbroken horses and people are gonna be shooting each other it's gonna be really competitive and i'm just gonna be like hey look there's enough land for all of us i'm but not a competitive not. person competition scares me so <laughs> i would just get my wagon and just be like i'm just gonna take all my shit i'll go a little slower i won't get the best land but i'm still gonna get a f- bunch of fucking free land see why it's gonna be great my thing this is, is why in PUBG i hide in closets <laughs> in the middle of the map instead of like killing people you know yeah oh, no, that's fair i'm gonna win by slipping through not by being the best at anything there you go i, I mean not a bad strategy mm-hmm. it's my life philosophy oh uh-huh. well there you go Anyway, this uh, was my favorite <laughs> chunk of the movie. This is when their uh, character arcs start to pay off. Uh, Nicole Kidman has become a more self-sufficient person. Uh, her parents still balk at doing their own laundry. Mm-hmm. She um, she has to teach her mom to what, scrub, then dunk, or whatever. whatever the You'll dunk and scrub. Dunk and scrub. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and and if it's still dirty, then you keep scrubbing or whatever. I don't know. I don't remember the rest of that. Um they say it twice in the movie, but also, and I guess Tom Cruise's thing is that he he gives up. He's learning the, the, to he's, stop he's hating to the rich. Up, he's willing to give up the land to get Nicole Kidman, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I like that when we think he's dead. I like that camera shot, right? 
because it's like it's like above him and it starts to zoom out which is what you do to a dead person at the end of a thing yeah. um, and then and I, you know honestly I don't know this movie at all I'm like oh sure. maybe they're just killing him like maybe that's his arc it's, he cares about her and kind of pays the price right um, and then you know it's panned off really far away and then it stops and then it starts to pan back and then he's alive and I just like it when the camera like controls the narrative like that it's really sure, cool. Ron sure. Howard. That's why he's pretty good at what he does. Yeah. yeah so definitely an average director. You I know would what? say above average director. But not the best. But definitely above average. He he is a very he very consistently makes very pleasant movies. Yeah. Apollo thirteen. The mm-hmm. best Star Wars movie. Yeah, that Da Vinci Code. Okay, well, nobody... A lot of people know, like that movie. Good angel, old angels and demons. Look, you know, Tom Hanks was in those, too. And movie. we don't blame Tom Hanks for those movies. It's because Tom Hanks is we a national treasure. understand that the whole project is doomed because the books suck. Yeah. But they were popular, so they had to get movies. They weren't that bad. Books are better than movies. Hot take. It's not a hot take. That's yet. not a hot take at all. <laughs> I think they were better than movies. The first two, I didn't see the last one. Did anybody see the third DaVinci movie? I did, I did not. not. I know they. I know they skipped over one of the books, though. Yeah. Well, I guess the movies have always gone out of order from the books. Since Angels and Demons is actually before Da Vinci Code, but I tried to read one of his later books, and it started out with like uh, this evil guy, like got like a guy with like a dog sled, like up in a helicopter, and then he like kicks one of the dogs out, and it drags all the other dogs out, and then it drags the guy out, and it was a real bummer. And I stopped reading the book right there. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, this sucks. It sounds like a massive bummer. I'm not into does, this anymore. Does that mean you've never finished John Wick? Uh, no, yeah, I stop it. I stop it right at the part where he has a dog and he's happy. Uh, that's where I stop it. I'm like, <laughs> perfect movie. <laughs> <laughs> you learn to love again by having a puppy. Yay. Good old 15-minute movie. Yeah, it was. It was pretty good. I don't know why they needed three of them or what content is in those second and third movies. You never saw the second one? I haven't seen the third one. I've but. seen all of them. Oh. Okay. I was doing a bit there. Oh. Yeah. Thanks for totally destroying it, though. Yeah, Appreciate no that. You're welcome. It was bud. really fun. Yeah. It's even more fun as I continue to stick on this instead of actually talking about the movie or yeah, well, having you know, any what, kind of discussion. Yeah, what we're supposed to be talking about. Yeah. So anyway, this is cool. I'm glad Chase is dead. Uh, it seems... What's he, he's not dead. Is yeah, he, he, dead? he just, he he just left. Chase? He just no. left? Chase was... Chase was I thought he shot him or something. No, they... He, he get he gets killed on the rock, well killed sort of passed out on the rock, and then she's like, "I love him, I don't love you," and he's like, "Uh," and then he rides away on his horse. Yeah, you would think instead he would at least still taking, claim the land. Just, I would have claimed the land if I was him. I'm like, "Huh, that sucks." You know what? Here's my uh, here's maybe, my fantastic land. Get the fuck off my property. Maybe maybe take he your did, dead boyfriend with you. Maybe he did actually care about her though. Maybe he did was like, you know what? Fine. Wait. She can have the land. Wait. I will go find my does, other thing. Does this mean I'm a bigger asshole than Chase? You might be. Well, all right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How many how many tenant uh, houses have you burned down? Oh, I've lost count, man. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. You're definitely you're they're the bigger asshole right now. I feel like his thing was more like he had this idea of what his life what what he was entitled to in life. Sure. And once he lost part of that, he was like, "Fuck this. I'm leaving." Yeah, probably. Yeah. Also, I forgot the camera. The camera re- reverses direction right when Nicole Kidman says, "I love you" for the uh-huh. first time. Uh-huh. And earlier, she couldn't even tell him that she liked his hat. Yeah. So it's you know <laughs> romance or his suit. Oh, Why can't you tell me you like my suit? Because you keep using that accent, <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> it's not very good. Why can't Joseph? you tell me you like my hat? I want to tell you to stop doing that, but <laughs> it's probably not any worse than Tom Cruise's was. <laughs> it might be better. 
Probably not, though. I'm not good at Irish accents. But neither is Tom Cruise, and he got paid to do one, so... It's okay. Tom is great at many things. You don't have to be great at accents. Actually, being good at accents probably isn't that great a thing in general. Uh, tell that to Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, well, okay. Who's done probably, in my opinion, the best Irish accent I've ever heard from a non-Irish actor. In Lincoln? <laughs> yes, okay. in Lincoln. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I just wanted to check. Jesus Christ. <laughs> What, Gangs of New York? Was he Irish in Gangs of no, New York? he was, he was okay. a New Yorker I was going to say, New York. I distinctly remember him killing an Irish dude in Gangs of in, New York, and it seems weird. In The Departed. No. no. He wasn't in that. <laughs> no. <laughs> what did he do an Irish accent in? <laughs> Stop leaving me hanging here. <laughs> wasn't it, like, Name of the Father or something like that? Name of the fa- I mean, I don't know. Or, Day of hold Day on. Lewis. Name of the Father. He's probably... Can we stop doing that? The only Lewis is probably, probably done. Uh, um, Boondock Saints. Here, let a me... A lot of <laughs> shitty movies that I haven't seen. Well, he's probably done a lot of great movies that I haven't seen. I'm never going to watch Last of the Mohicans, guys. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> I don't That's care. Fair. Why would I watch that? I, I read, like, three pages of the book, and I couldn't do it. So, like, I'm never going to watch the movie. So Lincoln, though. There's a movie. Yeah. I'm trying to... Uh, also, Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread, amazing. Pretty good. Great movie. I um, love it. We're still stalling. Donnie still hasn't found whatever he's looking for. It's okay. Things um, uh, of New York. That was fun. All right. Yeah, yeah. This is like a more edgy version of this, I guess. He did an Irish yeah, accent. Yeah. He did an Irish accent in three movies. And The Name of the Father is the one I was thinking of. But he okay. also did one in My Left Foot and The Boxer. Okay, I haven't heard of those two movies. That's three movies. Uh, the last two movies. I haven't uh, heard of the first movie either. I haven't heard of those three <laughs> movies Anyway, um, so I also want to say that this is uh, this movie is another great example of this portion of Tom, Cr- Tom Cruise's career, which is my favorite mm-hmm. portion of Tom Cruise's career, which is when he's working with really cool directors. Yeah. And he's playing parts that are just like a little bit more subdued. You know? Some like he's not fairly even... dramatic acting. Yeah. Kind of. Well, and, he, and also more, like, more so than action starry. I mean, he he got his action star legs with Top Gun. But he didn't fall into that action star trope that he falls into after. I think Mission Impossible is kind of what pushes him more towards the action star role that he's kind of fallen into now. Well, and Although then he I, just I gets guess, to do what he wants to do because yeah. he's just getting to do stunts and drag Henry Cavill out of an airplane. So yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, he, he has like a lot of charismatic lead parts. You know, earlier in his career, mm-hmm. I'd say even before he really does action, because I wouldn't even call him Top Gun that much of an action movie. Um, I mean, that is true, but. But this part, like, he, he plays muted roles a lot. You know, if you mm-hmm. think of the last few that we've done, you know, like The Color of Money or Rain Man mm-hmm. or whatever we did last time. Days of Thunder. Days. Oh, I, I don't want to talk <laughs> about Days of Thunder. Um, but he's, he's play, you know, like a Rain Man, right? He's playing the more boring role. Yeah. Like he's, almost, he's not really supporting, like, in screen time wise, mm-hmm. but he's kind of, like, emotionally is playing a supporting part. And I feel that way here, too. Like, I feel like Nicole Which... Kidman has the more compelling arc than he does. Yeah, which I sure. think I actually argued in Rayman that while he was the more subdued role, he wasn't the flashy role, the 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 role that everybody remembers. Mm-hmm. I, I I think I made the argument that his role was actually harder to play. That might be true. J- just because just cause I feel like his character arc was... Well, I guess first off, Dustin Hoffman's character didn't really have an arc. I mean, it could kind, be argued, but it's kind tough of a, to do kind that of with a, a loose one. But yeah. you know, his his challenge of his was you know trying to accurately portray someone who's an yeah. autistic savant or on the yeah. spectrum or whatever. But where Tom Cruise had to do a very subtle, slow change, like character change, and I think that's something he's really good at. He does that a lot, and we're about to get more movies where he does that. 
Sure. Yeah, that's sure. true. I think sometimes even, it can definitely be doing the big thing is not yeah. necessarily good acting. But, but I mean, yeah. it's, better, I don't know. Even his, harder, I, I guess it's not faster, really, not really necessarily a, a, a character change. He's really good at making real subtle changes in yes. his acting that you don't really pick up on. It's not obvious that he's doing anything different until you kind of look back. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow is a good one of that, you know, where he's repeating this day over and mm-hmm. over again. And he just does these little subtle changes that kind of show his building experience and stuff like that. And yeah, you know, I just think he's, I haven't heard of edge of tomorrow. Uh, it's you mean live, Groundhog die, War? Repeat. a groundhog war. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or live, die and repeat. If you're in yeah, Japan, live, die, repeat, yeah. live, die, repeat the groundhog war story. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, nothing in comparison to what I think is his most subtle role in, uh, Tropic Thunder. You know what? We're not doing that movie. I'm uh, making that decree. Uh, no, it's part of his. It's part of we're his gonna wa- We have nope, to. We're going to watch Gold Member twice instead. I, oh my oh, God, no! Christ. Can we reverse that? Did I find out what's that movie that he had like a weird cameo in that we're going to have to do? Gold Member. I know Gold Member's there. What, but there's, was there's he another, in like, like the Flintstones or something? Even, yeah, the Flintstones. I don't think we. I don't think we're doing that one. Come on, it's not on his official filmography. Yeah, he's definitely in there. Um, we're also not doing yeah. going clear <laughs> i can't oh. decide bonus if episode y'all can do it i I'm mean okay. going clear. i think we should discuss the possibility of going clear well um like let us know. know tweet us at cruising it pod if you want to see us watch the scientology documentary and hey you know what we have like no twitter followers so like one tweet's going to count a lot in this vote yeah let us know um I can't decide if I'm going to hate Tropic Thunder when we get to it. Do you think that that movie is going to age well? Have, you you I, have I, seen Robert it, right? Robert Downey Jr. got an Oscar nomination for that? Did he? I think I think that's real. No, I think, hang on. Yeah, am I making no, that up? Because they I, talk about that in the movie. Like I think his character in the movie had oh, an Oscar nomination. That, that might be it. I know he's also. I know he's the only actor who's ever done blackface without any fucking fallout. I think. I think there, I think there Best was supporting some actor critical. Robert Downey Jr. Holy shit! Yeah, he got the. The, oh no, he was just a nominee. Yeah, no, sure. but, but there so was no was... there was no fallout. Maybe a few people were like, uh, and then he went on to become one of the one of if not the like most popular actors in America. So that's there was point. no fallout. That's a good point. Well, yeah, and he's doing it in a way that's like making fun of people who would do it, right? He's I, not, yeah, oh, and not that, that's something yet. I guess we're gonna have to talk about when we get yeah. there. That's gonna we'll, be a weird discussion. We'll talk about it, but yeah, no, I think it's weird that he got an Oscar nomination for that. I can't decide if it's gonna be a weird movie or not. All right, so now is the time of the podcast when I speak for all women, which I'm allowed to do. Please stop making that your intro. A white guy with a podcast with two other white guys. Okay, look. So things that we say are objectively true. People might not pick up that you're joking, even if they're for other people. I just, I just hope that we're making it very clear that this is uncomfortable. And yeah, these three white male voices are the only voices that we need to reach objective truth in the world. You don't speak for us, and we do not speak for anybody. Okay, so let's go through our tests. Number I one. I speak for the Irish. Number one. I speak for the trees. Nice. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I can't decide if that's a Lord of the Rings or a Pocahontas <laughs> reference. Dr. Seuss reference. <laughs> <laughs> that is the Lorax, sir. <laughs> I am the Lorax. I speak for the trees. <laughs> and uh, actually, Fucking really. Lorax. <laughs> Danny DeVito speaks for the trees. You back the fuck off. <laughs> I speak for the trees. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, so, Bechdel test. We're there to. 
characters who are women. Yes. yes. There are. Yes. Uh-huh. Are they named? Yes. Uh-huh. Do they talk to each other? Yes. yes. Do they talk to each other about something that's not just a man? Yes. Yeah, her yes. social status. Yes, they do. They vary. I don't... They pretty briefly... And we, cleaning. We got one, guys. laundry. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> guys. <laughs> about, yeah, that doesn't help. <laughs> talk about laundry and manners. <laughs> okay. So this passes the Bechtel test. We got one. <laughs> it's an example uh, of the extremely low bar that this test can be. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Oh, my God. I mean, she oh. has she has a conversation. Like, at the beginning of the movie, she has a conversation with her mom about, you know, her future and, you know, her yeah, and social it, status. It largely revolves around, like, manners and shit. And I think she talks well, to the lady about, like, burlesque dancing, and she might talk to the innkeeper a couple times. And then she so plays like, this song that everybody hates, but there, it's right? big in America. Yeah. That's my piano playing on a wooden table yeah mm-hmm. it was beautiful thank you uh i forgot all of the other ones the sexy lamp uh, the sexy lamp test would the story make sense if you replaced nicole kidman with a sexy lamp i don't think so i would say mm-hmm. no, no it wouldn't so. it wouldn't because it's like how did she's the one who takes the initiative and takes him to america she saves tom cruise lamps can't drive carts i mean she's the one who they can't do laundry i mean it was her idea they to can't burlesque okay hang on lamps can't surf but you were giving me shit for that on like point break stuff so the point you, is, could, you could put a lamp on a surfboard and it'll stay up for a little bit but anyway no, that, the fair. point is that if she was a lamp tom cruise wouldn't have gotten to america because he yes. never he, decided to do that on his own and he also That's wouldn't true. have had the idea to do the like to run the land race or anything like that that was all her right that was mm-hmm. all her idea so exactly and even just things like doing and the even boxing his, fight that he wasn't really into and even his, his whole not char- just buying nice hats and staying in boston forever yeah. yeah and i mean his whole character arc was largely revolved around her yes yeah like, which i mean you so. can follow in love with a sexy lamp too i mean i guess sure. but yeah but but yeah a point take. i mean she's yeah she affects the story um makamori oh yeah the makamori test i always forget the name of it yeah. i want to call it that that video game where you like roll all the stuff and you keep uh, rolling katamari damacy like, galaxies or whatever um it's not even close to the same name I know, but I'm just, I'm just a white guy. Mine is my correct, best, okay? but... Um, does she have her own character arc? Uh, maybe. I think that doesn't just support a man's is the last half of that. Oh. Like, is, is, is she her own fleshed-out character who could, who has her own... who. Ha- who has her own like story arc that doesn't have anything to do with the male lead. Yeah, does her character have a trajectory that is not just about... Supporting him or what he's doing, right? So, like, I mean, in the last movie, I would her say whole yes. arc was about supporting Tom Cruise getting better. Yeah. But in this one, she has an arc that I think is, I w- is I w- her own. I would say yes, and she just kind of happens to intersect with him at the end, and they have that love arc to it, too. But that's more his arc anyway. I mean, I guess yeah. I'll, gi- I'll, I'll give this one a pass. I feel like they lose it a little bit. They, they kind of do. Because, you know, it... it <laughs> You know, the last like third of the movie is really just about them coming together and it's all true that stuff. But yeah. I mean, she she does have her own motives that and her her own like desires and stuff as a character that don't really have anything to do with him. Like she doesn't start to develop an attraction to him until halfway through the movie. So yeah, yeah, and I, I think well, that if, okay, she starts to develop an attraction to him the minute she lifts that bowl off his dick. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the bowl dick. Well, uh, uh, do we talk about the bowl dick? We didn't. Dick but we'll bowl? get to it. No, that's, well, I've, I've got okay, some, tr- yeah, I've got we'll some trivia about I just it. been in a plot. Did we talk about yeah. the dick? No, we, no. Yeah, no, we didn't. She saw his dick. It was under a bowl. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I think in this one, she does. Because I think if you look at her character, like the difference between her at the beginning and the end is that she becomes a lot more self-sufficient and kind of learns how to survive on her own without relying on her status or the fact that she has all of these fancy spoons or whatever, right? She yeah. does her own stuff. She makes her own choices. She's kind of in charge more so than her parents when they get to Oklahoma. It right. Like. And that plot in and of itself isn't inherently tied to Joseph. Although 
him being another important character in this, like it, he does have impact on that. Right. Yeah. So, since her arc is, I mean, your point is taken, you know, her arc gets a little weird in the second half. I think mm-hmm. because he's, you know, cast as the lead, we start with this character. Um, I think if you flipped it, um, a, she has a more interesting arc if she had kind of been the lead of the whole movie. Um, but also B, uh, his arc is kind of the one that doesn't pass the test, right? His whole arc seems to be about falling in love with her. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think Tom Cruise is the one that needs a better character arc in this yeah. movie. So we, we, this might be our first one that's passed all three, isn't it? Yeah. That w- we would provisionally say passes all three. I was gonna, I was gonna say Top Gun, but I, I think it didn't pass the Bechdel test because I think she was the only female character. No, she talked to. Uh, oh, but they but it was but they, about. But they them. only it talked about, the about dudes. They only talked about Maverick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never mind. So yeah, yeah, that's the first one that passed all three. Although I will, I will say, squeaked by on one or two of the tests, but but did pass. Yeah. So. So one out of how many so far? Uh, I don't That's know. A bunch. I, don't I, know I need to we, do the spreadsheet yeah, and we, figure out how many pass which test. Yeah, we need to. We need to go I'll back do that for next time. Yeah, we need to go back and do the movies that we missed. And really, just what episode are we on? I don't know. Like we're, four, we're on far and away. Yeah. I, I do it by movie title. So yeah. we're 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 less than ten percent on that. But you know what? Yeah. Anyway, um, well, good I, to have I, one. Good to have. I one. I mean, if you take the entire history of cinema, I'm sure most movies fail at least one of those tests. So. Yes. Yeah. Even, oh, even accurate. That's even kind of modern the point. movies fail these tests. A lot of them. Do, it, it's getting better, but a lot of them do. There's actually a website that that does it. It's like BechdelTest.com or something, and it's like fifty fifty. Like, I can't remember. It was the year Mad Max Fury Road came out. That was the year that I really started to realize that we were starting to get a lot more really strong, independent female characters whose role was not the romance portion or whatever yeah yeah and it's weird because there's like i feel like there's this thing in like the 90s and the the 2000s where it was like you need like a you know you need like a kick-ass female character and like good female characters are women in leather pants who kick people a lot and don't take shit from anyone <laughs> and it's gotten like better and more nuanced from there where it's like no yeah. they need like a story too right the, the they 90s. need to be consequential to the story yeah, see, that, well, there was kind of a problem with like um with like the, uh, the Buffy whole, the Vampire Slayer. Well, sure, but that that existed within music the too. The movie, not the show. That exists within music too. Like there's a whole Riot Girl movement in the early '90s, but it got really quickly co-opted to like a, a lot of how the media handled it was that look at how hot they are. <laughs> look at those leather pants. Yeah, do and, they wear leather pants? Uh, some of them, I'm sure. I okay. mean, they, they were like it was like a punk movement. It was like a punk subgenre. So I'm sure there was some of that at least. But yeah. It's like in the in the superhero movies we're doing right now, and a lot of the movies, you're like, uh, 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 shit, what's her face? Scarlett Johansson's character mm-hmm. is like Black er- Widow. Early on, it's like, yeah, she's really like cool and kick ass because she like wears leather pants and she kicks people. And you're like, but nobody cares about her. And she's really she just there to like kind of grind on the Hulk. Yeah, did have that. I do remember that movie where they had explicit sex. Uh huh. In C seventeen. Did have yeah. that scene in a in Endgame that was. Maybe a little heavy-handed, but I thought it was kind of cool where they had all the female superheroes kind of come together and fight. I mean, it, it felt a little in-your-face. Like, look at what we're doing. Look at all these strong female characters we have. Yeah, yeah, it was but, definitely working a little hard and in-your-face. But I, think I mean, it was, it was, it was, like it was cool, their though. victory lap to be like, yeah. hey, look at all these you know characters that we have set up for the future yeah. that are not just... Iron Man, Iron Man, Iron Man. Now, Iron if, Man, if Iron they Man, Iron Man, yes. Iron Man, and everything, Iron Man. Now, if they consistently start having just the lady fight in every movie, that might be a problem. Oh my oh, god, yeah. the lady fight! Yeah, have we <laughs> talked about the lady? I love it. Every time it's just like, all right, men, go fight the men. Ladies, go fight the ladies. <laughs> they did that so bad in Infinity War. They had all the ladies fight the lady. It was 
Sorry, was that not what you were referencing? Or? I was ta- I was talking about the the final battle in Endgame uh, okay. when they did that thing where it's like all the women united. All, all, the, all yeah. the women like it's like they've got like four of the female characters and then all the other female characters like like yeah. Wasp and Gwyneth Paltrow and her random Under Armour or, or, or Under Armour Iron <laughs> Iron Man armor <laughs> shit came from. I'm the one that's been I've drinking under tonight. Armor. You stop. <laughs> They just, just wicking under. It's just, it's just literally all of the female characters, and they're going up against what's her face. The I can't remember her, the her her name, but the the female Thanos's fem- daughter. You know, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Infinity War, they were all fighting her, but in Endgame, it's like they're just trying to keep the stones away from Thanos. So yeah. It's, yeah. A little, it's like a little less objectionable in Endgame, but it's still. It's maybe working a little it's bit just, too hard. It's, just, yeah. it's really obvious. What a little too little it's, too late. Yeah, it's, you know? just, it's really obvious what they're doing. Yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah. yeah, here we're going to show you how many female characters we have and how strong they are and how they can fight with no man. Yeah, and it's like, okay, I mean, it's cool. It's kind of a cool scene. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, ah. well, I, I feel like we're just at kind of one of those cultural turning points where like this is going to be that weird thing we look back on in 10 years and be like see, yeah it's, it's a little yeah, cringy it's but be... it's gotten a lot better from that point but exactly. see like like if we if, going back to mad max fury road that didn't feel heavy-handed to me it just felt like a natural character yeah yeah it just yeah, happened to be female difference. and the big thing that really caught my eye when i watched it that really made me whoa, whoa, really whoa. made me see that it was like a difference was that there was never any romantic plot arc between Furiosa and Max. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's because like, Max barely counts as a character in that movie. But I, mean, I mean, that's why the, but the like, third but test like, is based like, off of the Pacific, half of the Pacific Rim character, right? Yeah. Because yeah. everybody was so impressed that they just, they didn't wedge a romance in where it didn't fit and wasn't necessary and wasn't part of the story. They right. hinted at one. Yeah, and they a definitely were like friendships. See, There's like tension there, but it was like, we're not just going to have them kiss at the end and that's like the payoff to the see, whole that's, character arc. And that's a good thing too. That's something where I think Edge of Tomorrow lost it. Is they had that kiss at the end, and yeah. it was an unnecessary kiss that didn't make sense for her character. Yeah, we're we're getting a few episodes ahead. Spoiler alert: We've already talked about this. We get episodes. But, yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna keep bringing that movie up because while I think it it's probably going to pass all of these tests, there are still problems with her character that fall into a generic Hollywood female role. Yeah, where yeah. they try to shoehorn in a romance when there doesn't need to be one. Not, you know, they a guy can just be two characters yeah, who are working you know, together. To a man and a woman do not have to be love interests; they can just be people. Yeah, Tom like Cruise should have gotten so. with Brendan Gleeson in that movie. Can, can we get to true. a point where in movies, uh, it's it's two of the dudes in the movies that uh, like it's it's weird if they're not romantically involved. <laughs> they just assume are like, the romantic interests at the end of Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> it's like up him like kisses you know Tom Cruise's character, and that's like yeah. the culmination of the whole thing. Tom Cruise wasn't in Saving <laughs> Private just, Ryan. Whatever Tom Cruise, uh, Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. They're both Tom Hanks and Vin Diesel. Very two very reliable Toms who had a lot of hits in the nineties. <laughs> Um, can I stretch out our runtime even more by adding a new thing? We haven't even done sure, trivia, but sure, okay. go ahead. Um, feel free to cut this out if it doesn't work, because I'm just throwing it in here. But I love like story analysis tools, right? Uh-huh. And so I want to try to start thinking about this for movies and plant this bug in Donovan's brain so he won't be able to stop thinking about it when he's watching movies. Hmm. Uh, have you guys ever heard of a mice quotient? No. M-I-C-E. Like how, how many mice were in the movie? 
Uh, no. That's a good guess, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, so Orson Thanks. Scott Card, um, very excellent in terms of story analysis, kind of a crazy guy. Um, very much so. But he wrote a little bit book. homophobic. He Extremely so. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cautionary tale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He writes such good gay romances for somebody who's totally not gay and totally not really homophobic. <laughs> Anyway, um, so he has this book about like how much characterization you use in stories and how every character, every story doesn't need to be character driven. And it depends on like what the driving element of your story is. And so mice is M-I-C-E, right? So there's like four categories that he breaks it down into. And one of them is like a milieu story, right? And so that's where it's everything's driven by like your setting and exploring a new world. So that's like Alice in Wonderland. Right? Uh, so it's like, or like a lot Avatar of like, or something. Or like a lot of Asimov stuff. Or if like, we're going like, to take or yeah. Scott Card stuff, Speaker for the Dead. Maybe so. Was I it like, I feel that like was that was world driven. It was, it was very much about interacting with an alien species on a planet that they were colonizing. And I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe that doesn't really fall into setting because it is two like, humanoid species, but yeah. still it's, it's not really, it's really more on the exploration and basically a demonstration of the world that you're in. Yeah. 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 And so that would, you know, it's okay for that to have like weak flat characters, right? Cause it's more about the world. Then there's also an idea, which is like, you know, characters trying to, um, you know, overcome an obstacle, somehow and they need to like you know your audience is learning information and that's what's driving the story so that's usually like like oh, so, a heist story or something like that or, or like so so in goal. so in cocktail when he's trying to understand that his life is a sham and get past that fact so i think that's a little different because <laughs> um, the character story is oh, okay sorry uh, in a char- if it's character driven which is when you actually need like strong characterization you start with your character being dissatisfied with their role in society their oh, okay. level of status right so uh, it ends when the character so far and away yeah yeah either finds a new role is content to return to their old one or despairs and then an event is like uh something causes the world to be out of whack and it ends when the character either succeeds or fails in restoring order so that's like a zombie story pacific rim count of monte cristo revenge stories yeah pacific rim is a lot like that that yeah. would be that would definitely be like monster movies wouldn't it yeah or giant monster movies especially yeah i think a lot of horror and genre stuff really fits into this okay um so yeah do we feel like this is a in our mice quotient this is like a character yeah character story all right it's a character all right so question or you know what no it might be a catastrophic event uh throwing the world out of whack with all the irish coming to america uh wow <laughs> man yeah you guys really hate the Irish a lot. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll pull back on that. Um, yeah, <laughs> so this is character-driven. So is our character, did he find a new role? Is he content to return to his old role, or does he just despair? <laughs> I like that one. I like that there's... I think that's Manchester by the Sea, right? I think he's yeah. trying not to be depressed the whole movie, and at the end he's just like, fuck, I'm depressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit. I mean... I, he doesn't really find a new role because see, the whole thing was about he wanted to own his own land and then he succeeds at the end. But. So he does find a new role. He, he changes his lot in life. He's he pulls himself out of his uh, out of his society and where he's just kind of stuck as a tenant farmer. And he would probably continue to be in Ireland, except obviously he wouldn't because he would have been part of the land war. Hmm. A yeah. mix of the first two. Yeah, and and sometimes there are mixes. In fact, oh wait, the milieu and the idea. No. No. Idea and character? No, I'm talking about the first the, When two. you were talking about the character. I was talking about the character. You oh, said, the mix of whether he found a new one or was content with his old one. I mean, he 
I would say you found a new one. I don't. I, I mean, don't think I think he's, he's, he, he's a landowner, and it seems like they're going to kind of like yeah. he's going to be equals with her, maybe when they're I mean, doing the because he owns the land now. Part of it was so maybe they're gonna, yeah. Part of it on, was that you know? he he found some contentment though with um with his kind of lower class life in. Well, but even yeah, then, but it's not lower class anymore. It's right, all this fucking land. Well, uh, I was saying like earlier in the movie in in Boston, but even then, yeah, like he wasn't. It was still a new role from where he'd been, and. It was arguably not even lower class. It was more like professional class entertainer, essentially, at that point as a as a boxer. Yeah, that might that might actually be some of the tension. Maybe Tom Cruise has more of an arc that I'm giving him credit for, is that he had this, although he did lose it with the boxing, mm-hmm. he had this role where he could have sort of been content and been part of this Irish enclave. Um, he had just and beaten... By being, yeah. ris- you know, by risking taking that last fight and, you know, embarrassing everybody, or, you know, by... Not focusing on the fight, mm-hmm. you know, and, and focusing, focusing on her, her, he ended up, you know, losing that mm-hmm. and having to find a new so, okay. it. So character-driven story. Yeah. I'm into it. I might do this sometimes. It's I like just, it. It's one of those bugs that is stuck in my head, and every time I watch a movie, I'm like, is this a milieu story? Is it an idea, <laughs> a character, an event? Well, like okay. It. On that note, let's get into some background info and trivia about uh, Far and Away. Uh, once again, get used to hearing this, but uh, this was a successful Tom Cruise movie. Uh, $30 million budget, $137.8 million box office. Nice. Uh, not very well received critically, 48% and 62% publicly, which is uh, about the same, maybe a little better than Days of Thunder. It's like your um, average Michael Bay movie. I suppose, yeah. Uh, he didn't really do any of his own stunts. I, I, I Maybe. I couldn't find if he was actually riding the bucking Bronco horse. I okay. couldn't see any information about that, which leads me to believe he didn't. Yeah, what about when he was washing um, laundry? Okay. <laughs> Mason. I guess you're... you're you know what? I, have, I haven't done this in the past couple episodes. He's just well, he, doing it for me. He didn't do any of his actual <laughs> stunts, but he he they did do the miming of the boxing or whatever, and yeah. he did take a couple actual shots. I, I know he said in interviews that he actually did get a couple a uh, couple of shots to the face and some of those sure. where the where the guy he was fighting with didn't uh didn't quite hold his punch as much as he should have but uh yeah plenty of running in this one yeah you know yeah he, he had that yeah still have not found one where he hasn't run so maybe i'm, we'll ki- I'm kind of wondering if this joke about tom cruise running in all of his movies and running away from his gay thoughts is actually like I'm sorry. Let's 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 repeat a Family Guy joke. Yeah, that's the Family Guy joke. It's like, oh yeah, it's kind of like why Tom Cruise runs in all of his movies, and it's just like this little thought bubble with another Tom Cruise in it. It's like, oh wow, that director has a nice ass. Get away from me, gay thoughts, and then starts running. That was a that was a was Family Guy basically saying they're never going to have Tom Cruise on. Well. I mean, we're never gonna have Tom Cruise. Anyways, uh, look, I am not well. well what I, <laughs> whatever. What I was, well, what I was gonna I say is, oh hey, here. I'm th- there's there's this joke that Tom Cruise runs in all of his movies, but I'm wondering if, if that's it's real. Well, like if there, there's a lot of actors who do a lot of action movies that probably run in all of their movies. That's like why is point. why is this a joke with Tom Cruise? 
I think it's because there's so many like prominent, like at least Mission Impossible scenes. I can think of ones where it's like, well, there are a lot of movies. It's part of a set piece, yeah. right? Like I can specifically remember a scene that was I mean, built around right. Tom Cruise running from one point to the other. And I guess there are a lot of movies that don't movie. that don't require that don't require running. Like, yeah, have you guys seen uh, Keanu Reeves run in John Wick? Yeah. It's not pretty. Uh, I mean, I guess there is like that that one random scene at the end of Days of Thunder where him and Robert <laughs> yeah. Duvall are just sprinting for no reason. So I mean, I guess there's <laughs> a little stuff like that. Uh, but anyways, uh, director Ron Howard. W- okay, so w- since we didn't cover this in the recap, I'm going to talk about this a little bit. There's the part where he goes to kill Christy and gets hurt, and they're nursing him back to health or whatever before they hang him, which mm-hmm. is a weird thing to do, but okay. Um, well, he's, got, so, he's got to be alive and conscious and able to feel it when his neck snaps. Yeah. So basically, they strip him down. Fucking landlords. They strip him down to be able to dress his wound on his leg and everything like that, and the mom places a bowl over his groin so uh-huh. that Shannon doesn't you know, ha- have to see that or whatever. And then her mom leaves the room, and she walks over and lifts the bowl up and has this, like lustful look on her face or shocked shocked slash lustful look on her face whatever but anyways director ron howard was not happy with her facial reaction during the shooting of that scene so without telling her he told tom cruise to actually take his underwear off and actually be naked and then howard got the reaction he wanted from her when she (laughs) lifted the bowl and there's tom cruise's dick so it's it's a little weird but apparently they were they were married at the time okay all right so it's not as creepy as it sounds they weren't married i would feel like it was super inappropriate hi wife surprise dick uh the hi wife also the recreation (laughs) of the great land rush involved 800 extras 400 horses and 200 wagons which is Jeez. a shit ton of it's a shitload, but but like from from the look of it, it was basically just a straight on recreation of the of a photo that was taken of yeah. Well, the extras were actually recruited from a reenactment society called the Reenactors. Ah. So it's, it's probably something that these guys do a lot okay. is reenacting historical stuff like this. But yeah. still, though, that's a shit ton of people. And you know, yes. in in more modern movies they would not have that many people. They would get like 200 extras or whatever. And then they would, they would CGI. They would just copy that group of people and just keep pasting them in the background and maybe mix it up a little bit. So it's not obvious. That's Mm -hmm. a a big thing that more modern movies do. They do that in Lord of the Rings. Uh, The Lord of the Rings franchise does that a lot for those big epic battles. They'll have about 200 extras and then they'll just copy and paste it. And it looks like it's a massive fucking army. So, you know, so good on them for practical, 100% practical effects here. Yeah, take that, Peter Jackson. Yeah, fuck you, Peter Jackson. You make shit movies, but I you like actually you, don't. Peter Jackson. You actually don't make shit movies, <laughs> really except for movies. the Hobbit movies. Those were pretty bad. Well, yeah, there's the King Kong one, too. They, they shouldn't have made you spread those the Hobbit movies out over three. Uh, and I mentioned... I mentioned did uh, he want to do the Hobbit movies? No. Okay. Uh, now didn't seem in it. No. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, but in Ireland, this movie has become somewhat of a cult classic comedy for some of the most notoriously bad Irish accents. Is this uh, the Irish The Room? In particular for Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Eh, I believe um, that. And on that same note, uh, the dialect coach, Tim Monick, had over 17 years of experience, but this was the first time he had to teach his cast how to speak an Irish accent. Uh, which, as someone who plays D and D and tries to mess around with accents, Irish is actually really fucking hard to do. Accents in, in general are they, they are pretty but, fucking tough. But Irish, I, I don't know. 
Me personally, I could never get an Irish accent down, as you probably t- can hear from my attempts during this podcast. They're pretty bad. But anyways... Um, <laughs> well, my British accent is perfect, because I am British and I'm my cocaine. Okay. Bye, everybody. Walk, 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 slam. You invited this. I, I did. But, <laughs> hey, guys, okay. did I miss Jason Statham? Yeah, you did. But oh, actually, fuck. technically speaking, we had sex. Nicole Kidman's oh, accent is incorrect. Thanks. Uh, as a well-to-do oh, landowner's daughter in Ireland at the time, she would have spoken with a largely english accent uh, but that probably would have confused international audiences so she was taught to speak in an educated dublin accent <laughs> that she failed to do missingly oh, so there was a class thing that would have yeah that would have confused international audiences i Most mean international audiences would not have been able to tell the difference i mean if i was watching a movie about people in ireland and irish immigrants and one of them was talking with a british accent i'd be like huh most Americans would not have been able to You know, kind of like how uh, King Leonidas in 300 had a Scottish accent, despite the fact no, that he was a Greek king. That's accurate. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and also, a little, little, little tiny one here. Sean Bean was considered for the role of Stephen Chase, and if that would have happened, then he would have died at the end. Yeah, he would have just shot him in the face. Yeah. Tragically. <laughs> Poor Sean Bean. By <laughs> Never shark. gets to live. I guess he lived in The Martian. But he lost his job, yeah, so I guess he his, his career died. <laughs> he narratively died. <laughs> uh, well, all right. That's all we have on Far and Away. Join us next time when we talk about A Few Good Men. I'm Donovan Bruce. If you like this episode, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and check out Cruising at Pod on Letterboxd for our Tom Cruise movie rankings and general movie stuff. I'm Andrew Mount. For this and other podcasts that we may do in the future, visit our website at gcatsmedia.com. That's G as in gravy, catsmedia.com. One more time, that's gcatsmedia.com. Also, for your own pleasure, Google Jason Statham dancing music <laughs> video. It's beautiful, uh, folks. You're welcome. And I'm Mason Kuzmich. Uh, if you like this, follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Just consider it maybe for a moment. Um, but our Twitter handle is at cruisinitpod. It's at C-R-U-I-S-I-N-I-T-P-O-D. And uh, please do let us know if you want us to do Going Clear. And you've been listening to Cruising It. All right, 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 all right